Christy and I, we, uh, we celebrated this week. We celebrated 17 years of, uh, of marriage. And uh, yeah, isn't that cool? That's cool. So you guys are cheering for her, I know. You're like, she made it that long. Uh, I get it, but whatever. So, so um, we, we celebrated 17 years of being together this week or married this week, but we're, we're now at like 20 years of knowing each other. So I told my mom, my mom was at our house the other day, and I told mom, I said, mom, officially, you can blame her for how I turned out. Because I've been with her now more than I was with you growing up. So, <laughs> and, uh, so they both looked at each other and was like, nobody can be blamed for how you turned out. So, uh, but anyhow, so they, they were at that 20-year mark you know, together and 17 married and all that stuff. And, and here's the thing, um, ups and downs and twists and turns and getting to know somebody, uh, man, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifelong uh, challenge to really get to know um, one another. I mean, it's 17 years in, 20 knowing each other, and there's still weeks where you look up and you just go, who are you? Like, <laughs> and, and that usually is Christy saying that to me, but, but the, the deal is, is, like, honestly, like, getting to know a human and, and, and really to know them and know their wants and their needs and their desires and wishes and dreams and hopes and aspirations, and, and, and we don't even talk in those terms, and so not talking in those terms saying, hey, tell me your hopes and dreams, it, it's tough. It, it's just it's just hard to get to know people, and, and, and that's just, that's with like your most um, uh, intimate person in your life. How about like friends? How about just getting to know friends, and all of a sudden you have a, you have a conflict, and it breaks out, and it's like, wow, how did this happen, or how did I upset you? And, and, and a lot of times it's just, man, I thought I was known, and I thought I knew you, and, and, and man, maybe we got to readjust here, and getting to know somebody is difficult, but if you love them, totally worth it, Right? If you love somebody, it's totally worth it to spend the energy and time, whether it's your, your family, your parents, your brothers and sisters, whether it's your friendships, um, whatever it is, getting to know somebody is a part of love. There's a definition of love that I like. I believe um, uh, it was McDowell who, who, uh, who coined it, but um, love is knowing someone fully and being fully known without fear of rejection. Love is to know someone fully, meaning their, their good sides and their bads, when, when they have makeup, when they don't, when they're working out, when they're not, you know, um, when they wake up on time, when they're sleeping over, when they clean up after themselves, and when they leave dishes out, like to know someone fully, like I, I know what you're about, up, down, left, and right, and you know me, you know my flaws, you know my weaknesses, you know my brokenness, without, love is without fear of rejection. You see, what happens is when relationships break down, whether they be friendships or whether they be um, uh, partners, marriage partners, when, when the relationships break down, it, it's that rejection component. I, I now see something I'm not happy with and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to reject that. And in rejecting that, I'm rejecting, rejecting a piece of who you are. And before long, if you allow too much rejection to take place, then the whole, the whole relationship gets rejected. But as we talk about our relationship with God, I think about it this way. If it's to, fully, or to be fully known and to fully know without fear of rejection, guess what? In our relationship with God, one of those is already true. God 
fully knows you. God fully knows you. And, and in knowing you, knowing you completely, knowing you fully, the Bible says, Scripture says, that, that Jesus laid down His life for you to pursue you, to build the relationship, to tell you that there's no more rejection. So many of us, we're walking through life and we're nervous about the next step we take or the next words we speak. Will I be rejected? Will those people like me? Do we have anything in common? What if I say the wrong thing? What if they don't like? And, and we feel rejected. But the God of the universe has already, has already come and come uh, to this earth, laid down his life on the cross. And said, you know what? With me, you pursue me. You get to know me. There's no rejection here. I don't want to push my children away. I want you. And so will you get to know me? I um, often think about heaven. I was talking to my kids the other day. And um, actually, and then I, our small group, our Bible study, we got into this conversation too with the adults in the room. And the question came up actually it started with animals but it, it came into like hey what's the bible say about heaven and um i said well there's a, a lot of scripture basis that tells us basically that god's going to restore earth the way it was supposed to be in genesis 1 and so really like it's not that foreign to us it's just going to be a perfect a perfect world it's it, it we're going to feel like that we're walking around in God's perfect creation and he's restoring all things back to himself. And so, so with that, you, you, you begin to say, wow, okay, so you know, I'm not going to be walking on clouds and I, I'm not going to have to, to, to kind of just sit in there. Really, like all of eternity, will I just be belting out like I thought I'd be at the opera forever and ever and ever and I don't even go to the opera. And so people feel this disconnect. But in reality, it's, to walk with God. The Bible says that everything's going to be restored. There's no need for sun or moon or stars to provide light. Jesus is our light. The streets of gold basically mean that, you know what, all the things we value here aren't really going to be valuable there. And so we're just going to be all about our relationship again with one another restored and our relationship with God restored. And, and so in all of that, it dispels this idea that, man, this is so, so foreign. The reality is John 17.3 says this. John 17.3. And this is eternal life. Can you say eternal life? Eternal life. This is eternal life. That they what? That they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is eternal life. That they would know you. This is what it's all about. When you and I think about, hey, I want a relationship with God and I want to be, you know, I, I want to know that I'm right with God and I want to walk with God, then guess what? You become part, you jump into eternal life. Eternity happens right now. Eternity is, is forever past, forever future. And if you and I say, hey, I want eternal life, guess what? You and I can, can partake of eternal life right now. Time is inside of eternity. So eternity's always gone. Always will go. And then there's this thing called time that we all understand. It's plopped in the middle. But the beautiful thing is that, that this, this life is not just flesh and bone. Flesh and bone apart from the spirit, that's going to live, that's going to die. But you and I have souls. You and I can tap into the spiritual. You and I can reach over into eternity and bring some of that with us. And in doing so, that element right there is called knowing God. 
Knowing God's heart, knowing God's thoughts, knowing God's mind, God's wishes, and you and I can bring eternity here. And so today I want to talk to you about the sole goal that Jesus had on the cross for you. We've been talking about different goals that Jesus had. And today I want to talk to you about knowing God. The sole goal of knowing God. If, if, if love means to, to know fully and to be fully known with no rejection, that's exactly the beautiful picture that Jesus wants for you. That's his goal. His goal is to say, hey, Tali, I, I know you completely. Will you get to know me? Will you get to know me? And just as much as you walk around day to day and you don't want to be rejected, neither do I. Will you get to know me and not reject me? Will, will you get to know me and walk with me? Will, will, as you know my commandment, as you know my wishes, as you know my wants, as you know my desires, as you know my, my ambitions for your life, will you avoid rejecting me? Will you embrace those things? Eternal life is to know God and Jesus whom he has sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. You can, you can bring eternity into your life day to day right now simply by knowing Jesus. Make it your mission when you wake up. Say, hey, you know what? What, what I have a bad habit of doing, and I bet some in this room, I'm not going to make it confessional time. We're not, we're not Catholic today. But, but here's the thing. I, I, I wake up. And my phone is right there by my bedside. And what is, my, what is the first thing I'll check? The Bible? No. It'd be nice. But I reach over and I look. And there's those little red dots. And it tells me like, hey, you have, you have mail. Hey, you have some alerts. Hey, somebody liked a photo. Come check this out. It'll make you happy. Right? I'm not the only one, am I? Am I the only one? I'm the sinner. You all are judging. <laughs> awesome. Great. But here's the thing. Like, the truth is, is that we, we kind of wake up and we're kind of like, okay, let me look around and see what's going on. And we check and we, we, we get consumed. If we're not careful, we get consumed with the things of the flesh right away. And then that kind of sets us off one way or another if we're not careful. And, and in, in fact, what God calls us to, what Jesus has called us to, is to get to know him. And so how about we, we, we try it this week? Say, you know what? I am not going to, to automatically get locked into the flesh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up. And if you need that coffee, I give you permission to do that. But then, and then get in tune with God. Say, God, I want to get to know you today. What is an attribute about you that maybe I don't understand? What is an attribute about you that I, I've had a long time, it's been difficult for me to grasp? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you have a really hard time forgiving yourself. Maybe it's forgiving others. Maybe, maybe it's paying God, where were you when? Whatever it might be, but maybe you just say, God, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your wishes. I want to get to know your heart. I want to get to know you today. And, and if you wake up and begin that process, because eternal life is knowing Jesus. And when we get to know Jesus, we're bringing eternal life into this earth right now. Eternal life is life as Jesus wants it to be. Eternal life is life as Jesus wants it to be. The world is broken and the world isn't perfect. This life is in need of his kingdom to come. You see, the scriptures tell us, you remember this prayer, right? Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray like this, he says. This is Jesus' prayer for you. Why did he ask us to do this? But look what he says to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But then right away, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. 
So we're already predisposed to the idea that stuff's not going to work out in my life day to day like it does in heaven. There's an eternity, there's an, a heaven where things are done the way Jesus wants. And the way that I can tap into that, the way that I can get to know God is, is, is I say, Jesus, let me get to know you. Let me get to know what you want. And so as I'm acting, I don't want to be the hands and the feet of the enemy. I don't want to be the hands and the feet of my flesh. I want to be the hands and the feet of God. And so to do that, I need to know who Jesus is. I need to know what you want. I need to know what your wishes are for me today. And so today, Lord, I want to wake up and I want to get to know you because I want to bring some of heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, getting to know Jesus is to getting to know true knowledge. All true knowledge begins with knowing Jesus. He's the reality upon which everything else is built. The more that you know Jesus, the more that you can know yourself, the more that you can know others. The reality is, is that Jesus is the foundation to where all other things must, must, must deal. All other things must come into pass. And so when we look and we understand something, look at Colossians 1, 15 and 17. It's up on the screen. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things. And by Him, what does it say? All things are what? Held together. You literally want your life to come together. You literally want the relationships around you to come together. You literally want things to be in order. You literally want a glimpse of heaven here on earth. You really, really want that. If you do, you got to pursue Jesus. Because it's in Him. He was before all things. He's the foundation. Look at what it says. Look at the list. He's the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. He's the firstborn of all creation. You want to deal with creation? Start with the firstborn. He is before all things. Everybody say before. Before. Anything you're going to deal with, Jesus was before that. He was before your relationships. He was before even your family relationships. He was before all that. He was before the divorce. He was before the abortion. He was before, before, before. He was before that heartbreak. He was before the person walked out on you. He was before your parents died. He was before. And you have to understand, if I'm going to understand the rest of this world and how it operates, I need to know the foundation. I need to know where it all got started. I need to know the beginning. I need to know the foundation. I need to know what was before. Because if I don't know any of those things, I'm going to try to judge everything happening to me like I'm in Star Wars and I'm just seeing stuff fly by me. And I got news for you. Life isn't like that. It all has a before. This isn't the first time that you're dealing with this stuff. In fact, the Bible says that, that, that that's the beauty about Emmanuel, God with us when Jesus came. The beauty is that he came close enough to know your pain and know your heartbreak and know what you go through. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Is he was there at the beginning. He's the firstborn of all creation. He was before everything you're going to face in your life. And that's getting to know him. All things, it says, are held together by him. All things are held together by him. I can't tell you how many things in our life, both physically, there's this, it's still, science is still trying to figure out the idea of dark matter. The idea that you look out into space and everything seems to have spatial disposition from one another. And, and the current theory is dark matter, but we don't even understand what dark matter is. It's this invisible object that keeps stuff from knocking into stuff. 
Go Google it. You'll be throwing up because you'll just be like, wow, this is a lot. It's heavy. But here's the thing. The scripture literally says that it's Jesus. This whole life, this whole thing called matter, all this stuff. Jesus holds it all together. That it's his will, his command. And, and if, that's, if that's real, if that's true, that's some serious stuff. Why would I approach life with just everything coming at me as if it all is the first time anybody ever said a mean thing to me? It's the first time every relationship went south. It's the first time any human has ever sinned. It is never the first time. And so if you and I want to really get to know eternity and we want eternity on earth, what we got to do is get to know Jesus. Because he was there at the beginning. He's the one, the one that sustains. He's the firstborn of all creation. And he holds all of life together. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, then gives us this command. And it makes more sense in this light. The command of, of Jesus, love the Lord your God. Every time, every time we say all, you say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You see, the beautiful thing is that if Jesus is the foundation, if Jesus is the sustainer, if Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, if it's Jesus that holds it all together, and then Jesus turns around and says, you know what, you should love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And you know what? That is a gift to you. Not, that's not a command to hurt you. That is a gift to say, hey, you want to understand the way this world, the world operates? Then you love him with everything you got. You put all of your mind and say, Jesus, you've got all my mind. I'm not going to let places be occupied. I'm not going to have secret closets in my mind where, where I just let doubt just sit there. I'm not going to let angry, uh, anger or envy or jealousy build up and occupy space. No, no, no. You are the Lord of all my mind. My heart. Lord, I'm not going to let my heart go astray. I'm not going to let my heart believe that there's something in this fleshly world that that is greater than you. I'm going to give you all my heart. My soul. My soul, my soul craves Jesus. I'm not going to let my soul get get consumed with the the temporal. I want to fix my soul. On the eternal. And so you and I, when we look at that, we say, hold on. If Jesus is the beginning, if Jesus is the sustainer, if Jesus holds it all together. And if he's told me to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How do I know when the kingdom looks like heaven unless I know the king? I got to get to know Jesus. When Jesus is up on the cross, one of his sole goals for you is that you would get to know God through him. That you would spend your your time and energy just being consumed with the thought of everything that's going on. You don't only take everything in horizontally anymore as a Christian. As a Christian, some of us, we're tripping up because we're still living horizontal lives. But we're supposed to be vertical now. So what that means is when I encounter you, when I have a relationship with you, that relationship needs to filter vertically. I need to go ahead and put that under my my vertical filter and just say, "Okay, Lord, I'm talking to this person and I'm working with this person. How would you like me to respond? Lord, how would you like me to treat them? Lord, how would you like me to speak? Lord, how would you like me to carry myself? And I become a vertical Christian. Some of us. 
are still trying to live horizontally. We take everything on our own. We're not inviting God into this, the conversation. And then we get frustrated. But eternal life is knowing Jesus. You want more eternity? Get to know Jesus. For the rest of this, the, the concluding part of the message, I want to go over together to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I want to break it apart and look at it. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. This is uh, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church of Corinth. They had a lot of problems. In fact, if you say, if you tell somebody like, oh, I just wish there was a church like the early church, you are lying or you just are misguided. You don't understand. Go read Corinthians and see what was going on in the early church. Like they had lots of problems. You think any church member you ever met has problems? They had lots of problems. But he's, he's writing to these people and he's, he's building them up. He's trying to challenge them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says this, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Paul comes and, and what was happening in the day is no different really than today is that people will come along in the name of God or in the name of faith. And what they were doing is demanding, they were taxing people money to be able to be, to be spoken. And so the most eloquent speakers would just take the, the center square and they would get up and they would work and they would tell people what they wanted to hear and make people feel good. And then they'd take up some money and they'd split town. And so Paul's like, hey, you need to trust the judgment I'm bringing. You need to trust me because, listen, my testimony is, is that when I was with you, I wasn't like the rest. I genuinely had your interest at heart. All I wanted to do among you was to tell you about Jesus and him crucified. Like you can check the validity of what I'm saying because check my actions. I wasn't about myself when I was with you. And for him to make this kind of statement is a pretty powerful statement. I mean, Paul is this guy who, who he was this, this great man of God who before he was among the, the elite of the elite, he says in his description of himself, he's like, you know what? If you wanted somebody who did it all right religiously, you want somebody who did it all right educationally, you wanted somebody who can speak multiple language and, and dip in and dip out of different city states, you want somebody that can do that, that's who I am. But to the Corinthians, he's saying, hey, even though I had the ability, even though I I had this education. I just chose to come among you and speak nothing but Jesus and him crucified. That's all I wanted you to know. Because you know why? Jesus is plenty. People need to know that you know Jesus. People need to know that you know Jesus. We live in a social media age where all of us are guilty of this to some degree or another, depending on your generation. It might be a little less, but we, we live in a, a social media age where guess what? We got we to gotta tell people what we ate last night. Right? You ever done it? I've been so guilty of this. I was sitting at a beach. Um, I was sitting at a restaurant at the beach a couple weeks ago, and it was just out of habit. I was just, the food got brought out. There was the beach. There was the water. Guess what I did? Like, why? Like, when I was young, I, I would never would have done that. Like, here's my cereal. Like, I never would have done that. But, but now that's a common thing. Like, hey, I'm eating. And I feel like it's almost kind of like I'm eating better than you right now. Like, right? Like, like what's the chance you have steak and, and, and lobster and you're on a beach and the ocean's here? Like, you know what I mean? So it's a little bit of that. And, and, and so it's a lot of that. But in the social media age, our food is, is known by people. Who we're hanging out with at the moment. Hey guys, selfie time. The whole world. The, the, what, what we think of the latest celebrity tweet. 
This week it was Kanye. Kanye said something. Hey, everybody, Kanye's got an opinion about life. And so we'd let everybody know what we think. What we think about the, the politicians that are out there. Which hashtag has our attention for the moment? The two or three day hashtag that, that comes and goes. We just make sure. We're, we're in an age where everybody's got to tell everybody everything about everything. It's a, a beautiful thing. My son, he's, he's growing up. Number one, I'm afraid for my children to, to have that much information and data out there. But, but, but what I love my son's opinion on it all, he refuses it, until we got, he just got a Cooper um, Instagram account. He posts to our dog account more in the last week than he's posted to his own. He doesn't have any other social media. It's just pictures. And, and, and he, he, he uses that one. And I said, bud, how come you all of a sudden all Cooper? He's like, because it's Cooper's life, not mine, dad. He's like, I don't want people to know about my life. <laughs> and I love that because there's, there's this spirit that just say, you know what? I, I, I just kind of want to live. I, I, don't, I don't have to tell everybody everything. But here's the thing. In an age where everybody's telling everybody everything, You and I have to tell people about Jesus. We've got to. It's the core of who you are if you call yourself a Christian. If you're a Christian, Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is your sustainer. Jesus is who you go to when things are broken. Jesus is your Lord, your God, your Savior. He's your King. And how can we tell people about our food? And how can we tell people about our opinions on on celebrities? And how can we tell people about hashtags? But people that know us closely or work with us daily don't even know about our Jesus. How is that so? That would be like me taking my ring off and and hanging out at at places and not telling people about my wife. Like if I did that, y'all would just say, no, I don't want him to lead this church. I can't trust him as a man of God. But you know what? How many of us do that? Privately, we're like, oh, Jesus, I'm all about you. I love you, Lord. You know, here's my prayer. But then I'm going to fold the book and go to work and I'm going to work with these 30 or 40 people. It's hit or miss if they ever find out I'm a Christian. You don't have to, to, to shove your faith down anybody's throat. But if it's a central part of who you are, as they get to know you, as they're digging around and understanding your personality and what makes you tick, guess who they should bump into? They got to bump into Jesus. And so Paul said, you know what? All that other stuff I knew, I decided to know nothing. Everybody say nothing. I decided to know nothing except or save. Some of your translations might say, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Meaning I know a lot of other stuff. Remember, he's a guy bouncing in and out of city states. In that day and time, he had more. He would have had Delta Platinum in that day. Like he, he would have been the gold standard of travel in that time because not that many people got to go as many places as he did. But that's what he did on mission. And, and so here's the deal. He was all over the place. He knew all kinds of people. He could talk to the high ups. He could talk to, to the bus boys. And it didn't matter to him. Paul genuinely cared about all people. But even in doing so, he said, hey, when I was with you, I decided to know nothing. I didn't talk sports. I didn't talk the draft. I didn't talk Kanye. I didn't post to Instagram. I just talked about Jesus and made sure that you knew that Jesus Jesus was crucified for you. Made sure you knew there's eternal life available. Made sure you knew he was the one at the beginning. Made sure that you knew that he holds everything together. I made sure to knew he was your sustainer. I made sure that you knew whenever you had a problem, you could go to him. I made sure to know that the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. I made sure that you knew about Jesus because I want to make sure that you have eternity and you don't have eternity without Jesus. And so I want you to know my Jesus. 
But many of us settle for pictures of our food. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You say, well, Pastor, that's great for a guy like you. Your job is to get up every week multiple times and just communicate. Your job is to communicate practical truths of biblical truth. Your, your job is to help translate the Bible for people that, that don't understand it. Your job is to put historical context on these events that happened 2,000 years ago, but yet still make me laugh and make me cry in the same service. Pastor, that's easy for you to talk about Jesus. Let me tell you something. He says, you know what? I didn't come to you like that. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and I was there to demonstrate the Spirit and power. In our weaknesses, we can point to Jesus. In our weaknesses, we can point to Jesus. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know how many pages are in the Bible or how many books or how many authors. You don't have to know all that stuff. All you have to do is know Jesus. All you have to do is to know your story. All you have to do is be able to give your testimony. You know, I can refute a whole lot of things. What I can't refute is your experience. It's hard for anybody to refute the fact that I was once lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. You can argue with me all day long about uh, politics. You can argue with me about sports. You can argue with me about a lot. But it's really, really hard if a person comes and says, you know what? Look, bro, believe it or not, but this is who I used to be. And this is who I am now. And the only big change is I met Jesus. He can use your weaknesses. Your choice in life is to give out hype or give out hope. Hype or hope, it's up to you. You, you can either try to build up your career and build up your, your image and you can build up yourself to where people think a certain way about you the way that you want them to, hopefully favorable. Like You can build that and that could be your, your legacy. You could leave hype or you could give people hope. And you could say, you know what? I'm not really concerned about every single thing you think of me. I'm not really concerned if we click on all the social issues. I'm not concerned if we vote for the same people. I'm not, that's not going to be my deal. I'm not concerned if, if you cheer for the, the God-forsaken Steelers. I, like, I'm not going to judge you. What I am concerned about is do you know our Lord? Do you know the one that saved me, redeemed me, and gave me life? I want him to do that for you. You don't have to be eloquent, talented, or famous. You just have to be faithful. Faithful, not famous. It goes on, verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I love that. How many of us would be honest and say, you know what, for periods or years or even now, my faith kind of rests in the testimony of other people. 
I need the pastor to tell me what his faith is. I need to hear from others. I, I kind of really get by week to week just trying to live on the testimony of others. They say God's there. They say God's active. And so Paul says, look, I'm not trying to impress you. I want your faith to be built not in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Those of you that know the Lord and have walked with Him and had Him do something incredible for you, understand that that's what builds your faith more than anything. Is the power of God at work. You'll never deny it. You'll never be able to get back. You'll, you'll say those moments happened. The power of Jesus is enough. The power of Jesus is enough. I want to conclude with a story. I um, started a church when I was uh, 25 years old. I had been a youth pastor at a couple of churches and then a state, state convention. Essentially, they're a missions agency. And they said, hey, we want you to start a church in Virginia Beach. And so when I was uh, 24, 25, we, my wife and I, we launched out to start this church. I still have no idea why people followed me, but they did. And it got, uh, it got healthy and it was looking good. And so then the national convention, they, they drew me to come to Baltimore. They were like, hey, man, you know, you grew up there. Come start a church in Baltimore. And so, uh, but in that time when I started, I started out with this young couple. And one of the, one of the people, one of the, the husband of the couple, the husband, he had uh, an enlarged heart. And so the whole time I knew him, um, he, he went through disability and things happened in the family and more stress and so over time just progressively got worse and worse and worse well then we moved up here and everything and a few years ago about three years ago four years ago I got a text from him that said uh, Talia it doesn't look good um, as you know my heart hasn't been bouncing back and I went in for my latest round of tests and my doctors have held me here at the hospital and Talia I'm scared I've got two to three days, the doctor said. Days. Now, I'm on the other side of, of this text message, and I can't breathe. Because I'm like, in this moment, I'm the guy that my friend is reaching out to. And so I prayed right there, and I'm like, Lord, I... I've never been in this situation where a person says there's just days. And a young person, young children. And I'm not the type, those of you that know me, I, I'm not a hype machine. There's a lot of people in ministries around the world that are hype masters. The goal is to pump you up, get you filled with adrenaline, and have you come back wanting more next week. I've just never been that person. I want people to really walk with God. And in the valleys, I want them to be just as confident in who God is as when they're on the mountaintops. So anyhow, so I, I prayed and I really felt the Lord tell me, like, just tell him to believe. Tell him to keep faith. So he wrote me, his next line was basically, hey, um, I, I, I really am asking God to heal me. <laughs> and I said, there's no reason you shouldn't. I said, go for it. The Bible tells us that all good things come to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And I said, I said His name. I said, man, I don't know 
if good is going to be that you live or not. But what I do know is you have every right to be faithful. I said you have every right right now to ask God. You have, you've heard from the doctors. This has been years and years of progression. And right now, why not? Go for it. And I began to pray with him, and he began to pray that direction. Long story short is I get an email um, the other day, a couple days ago. And in this email, he screen, screenshotted, screen captured what I had said to him like four years ago. And he said, Tolly, apart from my wife, you're the only person that told me to believe God for a miracle. He said, everybody I knew, even all the Christians, he said, they all just told me, just trust God. I said, but I'm praying for a miracle. And they would let me know in their knowing face that a miracle probably wasn't coming. And so he had screenshotted what I wrote four years ago. Church, I'm just telling you, I'm not a hype guy. And I don't believe in giving people quote-unquote false hope. But I believe with everything in me that in that moment, Tolly Wilgus didn't say, believe big. Tolly went to the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want me to say to this man? And I felt the Spirit prompt me to say, believe. And I genuinely, the other day as I get this screenshot, I'm genuinely sitting there telling God, like, God, this is your credit. I was scared to death when I got the text. I'm not equipped say anything to somebody in that condition. Church, I'm telling you, when you know Jesus, when you know Jesus, He's right next door. He's right there. You know Him like you know your best friend. You know Him like you know your spouse. You know Him like you know your mom or dad. When you know Jesus, you can hear His voice and you do what He tells you to do. And my friend, in that screenshot, he told me, he said, Tolly, my latest test came back and my body is healing itself. He said, my heart is now in the, what's called low normal range. But it's in the normal range. God gave me a gift gave me a gift to know that he's alive and active and he knows you. And church, just like Paul, I'm telling you, forget everything else about Tolly Wilgus except Christ and Christ crucified. He is the foundation. He sustains it all and holds it all together. He cares about your your good and his glory. And he loves you. He desperately loves you. And if you've never trusted in Him to save you from yourself, to save you from your sinful nature, do it. Go to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need Christ to save me. And I'll trust Christ the rest of my life. You don't have to know any other theology than that. And if you're in a situation where you're just not sure, maybe your faith has been beaten up by the waves, you go to Him and say, Lord, I need you again. I need you fresh. I need you new. I want to know you, Jesus. I don't want hype anymore. I want hope.
And hope comes from Jesus. Let's pray, church. Let's pray.